0: For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T dot com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia.
1: Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. And I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Always so glad that you're joining me today. And I am very excited. I have a very special guest. I have my friend here from Focus on the Family. Dr. Jared Pingleton is back with us That we are so excited to have him. So very privileged to have him and and um, I you know had him on the show a couple of weeks ago and we talked about The Making Magnificent Marriages and he's been on now twice. So we're so glad he's back. He's going to be our, our resident expert, I'm sure. And his book Making Magnificent Marriages, I am loving reading. And we are going to kind of take a little piece out of that today because we are going to talk about something that is really, really important when it comes to marriages and really sending off our kids into their adult life well. And that is this effect that children have on our marriages. And so, Dr. Pingleton, if you do not know or haven't heard the shows before, he's the clinical director of counseling services at Focus on the Family in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and he provides leadership to 14 licensed mental health professionals and, I think, two ordained chaplains, and he is also trained and credentialed with both uh, both as a clinical psychologist and a minister, and so I love that combination because we get a really healthy pastoral um, take from him. So, Dr. Pingleton, thank you again for being on the show.
2: It's a delight to be with you, Cynthia. Thank you.
1: So we were talking a little um, off the air. We're just going to kind of jump in about this idea of the effect that children have on marriage. So just kind of just start with us there. What what are your thoughts about that?
2: Well, there's an ultimate irony that's involved with a husband and wife coming together in love and closeness and intimacy. And then progressively, it's like there's this. innocent little person who didn't ask to be born that literally and figuratively starts to come in between them.
1: Yes, yes. So what, what do you see when you are working with marriages and this kind of breakdown sometimes? I mean, we know that there's obvious dynamics that happen. I mean, just the relationship just organically changes.
2: It really does because we go from two to three or in some cases four or five, depending on whether exactly twins or triplets or something, but there is this radical shift in the whole dynamic of the marriage system where we can previously dote on and devote to one another exclusively. Now, here's this innocent, shorter person um, (laughs) that just comes in between and interferes and takes all this time, and they're a lot of work, and then they stay. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> they don't go home. <laughs> <laughs> well, they seem to think they are home. Exactly. And that's, that's where you live, you know. Exactly. And, and it's interesting. And, and the thing that I think is so amazing about that is there's all of the wonder and the miracle of life and the the beauty of nurturing and bonding and attachment that's so awesome. M- my wife and I have four sons that are all a lot taller than me now. Um, <laughs> and. You know, what really made it hard is a couple of them didn't come with the instruction manual attached.
1: Exactly.
2: Oh, that was such a challenge.
1: <laughs> well, and everyone is unique. And that's, you know, it, they are. we just have to really take that into consideration. And it changes, you know, we add a role to ourselves where before we were maybe husband, lover, friend. Right. Now we're father. Like what, you know, and all of a sudden, maybe I don't like you as a father or maybe I don't like you as much as a mother.
2: Yes. And we have to
1: contend with that new role that comes into the marriage.
2: And it becomes a a prominent one, if not even a primary one, and it is very difficult because this is not what we signed up for.
1: Exactly.
2: (laughs) And that makes the whole deal change, as it were.
1: Yes, because we would love the Hallmark movie, where you fall more deeply in love because you're so, you know, oh my gosh, my wife is so beautiful as a mother. You know, we would all love that Hallmark moment. (laughs) And unfortunately, it just doesn't work out that way all the time.
2: Well, plus there's the commercials. Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
2: it shows us well, all the would, ways
1: it shows the commercials show us all the way we're supposed to look and act and be. Right. right.
2: So those would be ideal and wonderful, and yet there are so many challenges and heartaches that, on a good day, impinge upon the marriage of system and it affects. I, I know that. For us, our oldest slept through the night, oh, he was at about 14 months, uh, Wow! I'm a light sleeper, and wow. he was a placenta previa baby, which meant that, oh, from the fourth month of pregnancy on, since he was resting in a place that was not originally designed, it was right on his mom's bladder, then every 45 <laughs> right. to 50 minutes around the clock, you know, it was, it was a crisis pregnancy, so there wow. was a lot of stress, and so we didn't sleep for you know, five, six months before he got here. And so then, you know, we, we we have four sons and we had childhood leukemia thrown in there uh, in the middle and we didn't sleep for 10 years.
1: Wow. You kind of got hazed.
2: We really did. <laughs> and so it was very, very challenging and very, very stressful. And I just don't do as well sleep deprived and that makes it all harder. And so when you have you know, a fussy baby or a colicky baby, then no one sleeps in the house, and everyone's on edge, our nerves get frayed, and there is a sense in which it's very difficult to prioritize meeting one another's needs emotionally and sexually and otherwise, and this child again just comes and lives at your house and steals your spouse.
1: You know, you bring up a good point about, you know, it's always funny when you see those couples that have a really easy baby and they think they're perfect parents. Like, why isn't everybody else as good as we are? Mm-hmm. And when you have a difficult child, one of the hardest things is how you deal with your own frustration and anger. And, yes. and it ends up, you know, we don't want to take it out on a baby, obviously. So right. we end up taking it out on the safest person, which is generally our spouse.
2: And they're tall enough to absorb right? it.
1: Exactly. So how do, you, how do you help couples with understanding, wow, where do you discharge that energy, and how do you know that that's actually what's happening? Because a lot of it is is an awareness issue.
2: It really, really is. It's a great point, Cynthia. And when we don't have a caring, supportive, healthy, extended family from which to draw that strength and support, it makes it all the more challenging. And that's where I think the church has to come in, to where, again, the Titus 2-4 principle of here's where I think... Older gals have a great opportunity to minister powerfully to young moms to help them navigate the challenges of breastfeeding and all of the compound complications that can happen through that whole process. The philosophical differences about do you let a baby cry through the night or do you go get them? Um, Just all of those very important things that often don't come with the baby when they arrive to know how to do this stuff. And it's crucial to know how to do stuff. And so I think those are supports we must have. Then I think beyond that, so that that's information, that's right, education, right. that's educating, equipping, and empowering young parents to know how to do this stuff. And beyond that, then I think there must be a sense, while yes, the infant must be prioritized because they're completely dependent and typically didn't ask to get here. Right, Um, exactly. It's not their fault that they're born. (laughs) Then I think we have to go back and find ways to really prioritize and nurture the marriage. Because what happens so often, Cynthia, and the research bears this out, is that both people feel neglected. She emotionally, he sexually. And it's it's not to me surprising that the highest period of adultery for men is within the first two years after the birth of a child.
1: You know, t- say that again. That's real. I think that's very important for people to hear.
2: That the highest period of adultery for men is within the first two years of a ch- child's birth. And that's because mom is, well, physically incapacitated Absolutely. from normal sexual behavior. At least behavior. The, for the first six
1: months. And then exactly. she doesn't always like how she's ended up looking as well.
2: Exactly. And then she's postpartum many times. And, and, and if there's a complication, right. Right. then it's more than that time frame. Um, then... Well, and
1: it's the feeling for women, you know, everybody needs my body. Well, exactly. And that I- is a I'm tough just, one. I'm,
2: I'm, I'm giving out. Right. I'm being sucked dry literally and figuratively. Right. And all I'm wanted for from the two people <laughs> that are most important in my life It's because of my body. Exactly. And that doesn't meet her emotional needs. And then, yes, she's often self-conscious about her appearance and, you know, the the baby belly thing, post and and all of those issues. And then a healthy, a healthy, mature mom is radically zoned in on that baby.
1: Right, exactly.
2: And it's a beautiful thing in God's design as long as the husband doesn't feel left out. So how
1: how do we do that?
2: We've gotta talk. Yes. We've gotta communicate about this. And I think we have to have a plan going in. I think I that's know that really important. For my wife and I, you know, we looked at, okay, here's here's the way we're gonna approach this whole parenting enterprise. And she is a very my my wife Linda is a very loving, warm, nurturing, awesome mom. And because of that, she was aware I'm going to have to consciously, you know, be able to throw my husband a bone once in a while (laughs) because I'm such a great mom. And she is is a wonderful mom, particularly uh, that that bonding process. She just knocked it out of the park. She was wonderful at that. And, And the benefits to our sons were enormous accordingly. Yet there has to be an intentional decision to say, we need a date. And her emotional needs had to be met. And so, when we could kind of manually override, as it were, those biological temptations to just focus on the baby, that was crucial
1: right then
2: I think for the husband, we can kind of feel like, "Oh, we're a helpless victim," or we got ripped off, or this little kid who unfortunately looks way too much like his old man <laughs> um, <laughs> just done stole my wife yeah that's a normal feeling, but I think we can either take that helpless victim stance, or we can adopt the strategy that I chose to, which is if you can't beat them, join them.
1: Oh, I lo- okay, so we're going to stop there because we're coming All up right. on a break. And that we're going to pick up the, here with really how we can, now that the baby has shown up, and maybe if we haven't planned ahead, like, like Dr. Pingleton is talking about, what are we going to do to insert a new plan and a plan that might help us maneuver through this? So this is Cynthia Hyatt conversations with Cynthia. I'm so glad you're here today with me. And always, if you don't get to hear the show in its entirety, go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com and you will find it right there on the radio tab. And just click on that and you can listen to the show with Dr. Pingleton. So join me again in the next segment. So welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and I have Dr. Jared Pingleton here with me today. He's a great friend of ours from Focus on the Family and is, I think, becoming our resident expert now, which is very exciting to me. He is quite educated and very accomplished as a clinical psychologist as well as an ordained minister. And so he's educated in both theology and psychology, which is my favorite combination. And so we are talking today about marriage and children and the effect that children have on marriages. And, you know, we would love to have this plan that we do beforehand, but many of us in today's world find ourselves having to create a plan after the fact. So we left off in that last segment talking about how both men and women feel when this baby shows up. And and we kind of left off with primarily how men feel. And I'm wanting... Dr. Pingleton, to talk to you about this concept of men and how they feel and the difficulty they have in really being the one that they know they're supposed to be and the trials that come with that. So, Jared, talk, talk to the listeners about what you and I were talking about offline.
2: Sure. Well, we, we left off with, I think, a healthy adaptive approach for dads to kind of land with, hey, if I can't beat them, join them. And that's what I chose to do, and I think it worked wonderfully well. I so, give us a to, picture
1: of that. What, what does that sure. look
2: like? Well, I I think we have to go back to the Lamaze classes, to where in that coaching process we're actively involved in the labor and delivery. I was able to to catch all those guys. Wow. And then, oh, so you're adding medical doctor? Mom.
1: You're adding medical doctor to your list.
2: <laughs> No, I played wide receiver, so yeah. I have good hands. Uh, so. That's awesome. That's funny. <laughs> but um, can't throw, but uh, right. could catch. So um, I would uh, I would hand them, of course, obviously to their mom, who could nurture them in ways that I am not wired from the factory to be able to do. Right. And then beyond that, many dads kind of resign and withdraw. And I think that is a tragic error. Right. And it's an understandable mistake, but I think it is one, because I think the more involved with the baby, the clothing, the diapering, the uh, bathing, those kinds of things, the soothing, the more that does several things at the same time. Number one, it activates a bonding dynamic inside the dad's heart toward the baby. And that's good for the baby. It's great for the dad. But you know what? It's wonderful for the mom. Because when that mom looks in admiration at her husband nurturing this infant, that generates all kinds of warm fuzzies in her heart toward him.
1: You know, you're, it's funny that you say that because when I'm doing marriage counseling and we're talking about, you know, the sex life of that marriage and how it's pro- probably not working, and I always say to, right. to men, if you want to turn on your wife, all you have to do is be really nice to the, to the pets and the children, yep, and read your yep. Bible while you're sitting with your daughter. Kindness, and it's like, and it just does these wonderful things for women when they when they see that. Wow, you're interacting with the kids, the pets. You're you're reading material that's going to help our family. And then I say to women, and you need to do the complete opposite.
0: hmm hmm
1: So it's a very different process. So I think you're right in what that does for the wife. I also think what you're Really touching on is this is one of the ways that we cut down on abuse from, from men is. with babies.
2: It is, because it really, for for me and, and the other dads that I see doing this well, it really domesticates our wildness exactly. as men yes. in, a, in a very powerful way. And, and the power of this is so beautiful because, again, I think it's, it's a win-win-win situation. The baby has benefited because they're also bonded to daddy. And I know that my sons make all kinds of fun of me because I took endless hours of video when they were babies (laughs) of me interacting with them, acting goofy and silly, and they kind of laugh. But I know they feel secure by that because I would let mom sleep when they would wake up for good at 5 in the morning. And another thing I did that I am very pleased with that I got some good mentoring and guidance on is I changed every diaper that needed to be changed when I was home.
1: That's awesome.
2: Because every diaper that needed to be changed when I wasn't at home had to be done by their mom.
1: That's right. That's exactly <laughs> and, right.
2: And so that's what I say to dad. Step up to the plate, and, you know, th- this is rarely fatal <laughs> if they seem or feel that way. You might again, pass out,
1: but... <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs>
2: You know, you've, you've seen the, the comic, you know, skits and sketches yes, of the guys wearing yes, the gas mask yes. and stuff, and that's fine. But <laughs> Put again, on the
1: hazmat suit.
2: It's a bonding process. It generates all kinds of neurochemicals in the baby's brain and in the dad's brain, oxytocin, all kinds of vasopressin, all kinds of neurotransmitters that are bonding chemical agents.
1: And these cut and down it, on depression and anxiety
2: disorders well in the future. And yes. the baby smiles yes. and coos yes. and, and often says dada instead of mama as her first <laughs> word. Exactly. But, but to me, the upshot of this, Cynthia, a quarter of a century later, all four of my sons hug me wow. in public yes. every single time they see me or leave. And they tell me, I love you, Dad, every single time I talk with them on the phone. And they often beat me to it. So that is something that is, to me, priceless that I treasure. And, you know, it's, it's been a wonderful time all the way through. So I think for dads, when we feel helpless, passively withdraw, there's nothing I can do. She's the mom. I don't know. I had never changed a diaper in my life until our first son's very first diaper. Okay. I'd never exactly. been around babies at all. And I'm like, well, why should I? And I remember the labor and, the labor and delivery room nurse, when I was asking, how do you do this, kind of looked at me like I was from Pluto or something. Was, well, <laughs> nice. duh, it's not rocket science. Or <laughs> yes, <something>. it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd never done it. Exactly. And so uh, I felt totally inferior, inadequate, and incompetent, but I managed to get that done. And but so see,
1: that's, that's a good point. It's important. Yes, because it also is a man's willingness to be humble and step outside of his comfort zone as to what he's comfortable with. Right. And not always be immediately successful.
2: And most most men are not naturally wired to be dads. Most right. women are. Most men aren't. Right. And I wasn't. And I had to, again, kind of do a manual override of my natural tendencies and reflexes. But that, that steps into the marriage in powerful ways. Because instead of feeling victimized and rejected by this innocent little baby, and unfortunately, again, they look too much like their dad, but... <laughs> um, Poor guys. They didn't have a choice on their genetics. But there is a sense in which it really does bond the man more toward the wife, but more importantly, I think, bonds the wife to the husband because she respects him, admires him, and appreciates him.
1: I think that's really powerful, and I would really like to speak to the women in this last minute here. We're coming to the bottom of the hour. And that is when you see your husband show up to really attempt this, you have to be very careful about criticism. Very careful about feeling, un- showing him any uh, trepidation you have, like he's not competent. That you really praise him, you encourage him, and and you continue to work with him so that he is a part of it, and that you and and the need to not criticize is imperative. So, we're going to come back, and we have Dr. Pingleton the entire hour, which is wonderful, and we are going to really spend this next half of the hour talking about. Some practical things that couples you can do when you're feeling like those children are kind of pulling you apart, when you feel like you don't like the way your spouse is parenting and you like the way you do it better. So join me again. This is Conversations with Cynthia and I'm Cynthia Hyatt. And you can always go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and listen to the show in its entirety. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and today you are joining me with our special guest, Dr. Jared Pingleton from Focus on the Family. And he is the director of the counseling department there and manages probably about 14 therapists and two or three chaplains, and uh, he's quite educated, and he really combines his education of psychology and theology, which I think is a great marriage when it comes to really helping us be well-rounded and exceptional people. And so if you're just joining us, we have been talking a lot about the effect that children have on marriages and how to really strengthen the marriage while we are parenting. And so I was talking to Jared uh, off air about his book, which is called Making Magnificent Marriages. And I'm going to make sure I remind him to tell you how to find that because it is an excellent book and I've begun using it And the chapter that I want him to really talk about with you today is his chapter on respect, and he calls it rigorous respect. And this is a a tantamount, or or it is um, imperative that we have this in our marriages. And when I do marriage counseling with or without children, I'm always talking about respect, because that is one of the things that really protects us from the evil one, and it really helps to create a bedrock of safety in our marriage. So, Jared, how is that for a lead-in?
2: Oh, thank you, man. That's a <laughs> betting practice fastball right down the middle. I can I th- I can swing at that Awesome. hit <laughs> it. Thank you. Well, we live in a culture of progressively increasing disrespect, Cynthia, yes. and we have seen sitcoms and comedy and film ridicule men particularly in their leadership role and identity as provider, protector, and progenitor. It Mm -hmm. it has been destroyed. The worth and dignity of traditional feminine roles has been marginalized in different ways, where there is an exploitation of women's sexuality and diminishment of their self worth and value um, on the cover of every magazine at the grocery store, where women are not respected and valued for who they are. And then the value of children has been damaged and polluted and violated by epidemic abuse. Uh, victimization and and ultimately by murder uh, of them in the womb. So there is a very widespread disrespect of relationships and everywhere. And 1 Peter 2.17 calls us to live on a higher plane. It says, show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers, fear God, honor the king. The the respect of the elderly, of authority figures and bosses, spiritual leaders, unbelievers, uh, parents, spouses. Scripture says, and all of these relationships, we are to demonstrate and practice respect.
1: Well, I, you see, I think when what, what I see when, when it comes to this issue of respect, that verse says so poignantly, we are to respect everyone. Yep. And we forget that one of the reasons, that, at least my interpretation, that God is saying that we are to respect everyone is because everyone is created by him, and they belong right. to him. And he loves them, and he died for them, and that's how much he values them. And so it's this understanding, this abstract concept of respect, that means that I respect human life and human dignity, and I respect the planet that God has created. I, re- I respect the creation of his hands. I don't necessarily agree with everything that the people that I'm respecting do. Right. And that I- is a really abstract concept because it, it ha- we have to manage our emotions when we don't like what someone's doing mm-hmm. and when we don't agree with it. And and even if it's if it's illegal and unethical and immoral, how do we respect someone that's doing something unethical when we when it's a completely, you know, egregious behavior?
2: It, it's a big challenge, and I know that Scripture speaks in terms of theoretic ideals. And I know many of your listeners are saying, "Well, you've not met my spouse because they're right. the north end of a southbound mule, or right. or whatever." Right. And I I understand that. <laughs> I've worked with thousands of those couples. That was a very
1: politically and- correct thing to say. <laughs>
2: Well, it's kind of a hillbilly colloquialism, but I like it. Um, <laughs> it's a pretty big word picture. We are prone to fall out of love, Cynthia, when we quit respecting one another right. And, and I, think that's I don't powerful. believe that we fall in love. I don't think gravity's that powerful, but those feelings start to wither and atrophy when we quit respecting.
1: Well, I think it's this issue that we stop acting as dignified humans as well. Yes.
2: We quit being nice.
1: Right. And the irony is
2: we we are nice to other people at church, but does he open the door for his wife when he goes out of church? See, I'm so
1: glad that you brought this up because when I, many of the couples that I work with, oh, we have one minute to go here as well. So many of the couples I work with, I have to say to them, the first thing we're going to start with is courtesy. I just want to reintroduce Mm -hmm. courtesy and politeness Mm -hmm. and decency into your relationship. I want you to act like you do to the person at Circle K. And how kind yeah. you are to that person. I want, that's, that's the version I want you to bring home.
2: And Ephesians 5.33 commands us, a husband must love his wife and a wife must respect her husband. And I've worked with a lot of women who say, well, I'll respect him when he's respectable. I right. say, well, so should he love you when you're lovable?
1: <laughs> that is, that is very well said. Oh, my goodness. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the last segment as we wrap this up with Dr. Jared Pingleton. And always visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. You can also like my Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt, Inc. It's INC for Incorporated. And join me in this last segment where we talk about this issue of marriages and children. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. And I'm Cynthia Hyatt. And if you are just joining me today, you will absolutely want to hear this show in its entirety. It has been very helpful. And we have Dr. Jared Pingleton with us from Focus on the Family. And we are talking about children and how children affect marriages. And before I even get going, Jared, I want you to tell people about your book and how to get, get a copy of it.
2: Oh, thank you, Cynthia. Making Magnificent Marriages is a, a book that uh, I just felt led by the Lord to... Do uh, recently, and it's uh, a different kind of a book in a few ways. There are lots of great Christian books on marriage, many of which I reference in this book, but I'm a practical person and I, I wanted to give some tools. And so there is a website called relationshiphealthscore.com where couples can go on and it takes 10 12 minutes to take this inventory that is customized to assess the health of their relationship. And it's a good baseline to take a look at how are we functioning, what is this current state of our marriage, and where are our strengths, where are our weaknesses. And this is a very valid and reliable, scientifically, psychologically sophisticated instrument that comes back to the couple, again, takes 10 to 12 minutes, it's free, RelationshipHealthScore.com. What I do in the book then is unpack a chapter per question in the inventory To help couples navigate through the challenges in the relationship. And I give a bunch of tools at the end of every chapter. I give five Bible studies for each individual to think about themselves in that topic area for them to think through and let the Holy Spirit work on their heart instead of trying to get their spouse raised right or changed or fixed. (laughs) And then secondly, I give each individual five questions for introspection to take a look inside themselves and think about what's it like to be married to me? How do I show up in this marriage in this regard with this particular topic, whether it's trust or communication or money or conflict resolution? Then I give three interaction activities for the couple to apply the material in their relationship in a customized, personalized way. And then if they want to go a mile deep in that topic, I recommend five other Christian books. So I want them to be able to be equipped and empowered to grow their marriage because I think marriages don't happen automatically or accidentally. I think they happen intentionally. So you can find the book at Amazon, at uh, cbdbarnesandnoble.com, uh, but uh, those, are, those are some things that I think are really important to get out to couples to work on. And it's good for small groups, for Sunday school, for growth groups, um, workshops, retreats, whatever. It's, it's a, a toolbox that I want to It really is. It, I mean, I mean it's, it's,
1: it's extremely comprehensive. And I don't think that if you haven't done um, graduate work, I don't think people recognize the intensity and the work involved in a psychometric test. And in order to get that marriage test reliable and valid, uh, it takes a a tremendous amount of work. And so it's really exciting that you have one that's this reliable and shows to such in deep, in-depth ways and places of marriages where to really hone in, zone in on the very specific area that needs the work instead of having to do a broad brush stroke all the time when we're doing marriage counseling. Right. So it's very helpful. And so you also have a book, I think it's called, Christian perspectives in human development is that about growing up, or is that more? It is.
2: Okay. It is. It's about helping shorter people get taller. Well, and um, so that—that's
1: uh, <laughs> great. It's,
2: it's about development. It, it, it's kind of more um, theoretical. It's it's uh, more academic, probably than than practical for lay folks. But so
1: you haven't next. done you haven't done a parenting book yet.
2: No, I haven't.
1: Maybe next. <laughs> yes. So we, we're talking about this idea of respect and mm-hmm. respecting our spouses when we don't feel like we like them or they're very doing very respectable things. And, you right. le- You know, we left that last segment where you were talking about, you know, a wife saying, well, I'll respect my husband when he's respectable. And you said, well, are, are you going to wait for him to love you when you're lovable? So I think this is a really important, maybe a, a place to step off with and maybe yeah, explain sure. to listeners why. Respect is so important when we are respecting each other and, and giving dignity and honor to each other, and it has nothing to do really with behavior.
2: It really doesn't. It has to do with the the personhood of the individual. <clears throat> and, and children need respect as well, and particularly boys. And Emerson Egerich years ago in his classic awesome book, Love and Respect, kind of unpacked that very well theologically. <clears throat> but the, I give four tools Excuse me, um, to help... Couples look at this respect issue in their marriage. The first is um, listen, and we feel valued when someone is attending to us. We feel cared about typically, that's an affirmation. And that's the second is is affirmation, where we are valued for not necessarily what we do, our behavior, as you said, but who we are as, as persons. So listen, affirm. The third is support, and that is a sense in which we feel. Cared about rather than undermined that we're uh, valued because of our 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 sense of who we are, and then finally to honor. So it spells the word lash, L-A-S-H, listen, affirm, support, and honor. When we have a person that's feeling taken for granted in the marriage, I guarantee you they don't feel honored by their spouse. So respect is a choice, and in parenting, we're going to have to agree to disagree. Because there's different philosophies on how to discipline, on how to do privileges, rewards. There are so many different approaches and philosophies. And one of the things I really want to recommend to young parents, especially, and even even more veteran parents, that is so vital, Cynthia, is to get a good book on parenting. Absolutely. Read it through. Talk about it. Discuss your differences. That's respectful. And in the process, what's going to happen your hearts and your differences are going to be expressed and explored and therefore have the potential to be knitted together more closely. And that's very important. In in a marriage, what I find so commonly is that often one person is really good with toddlers and the other person is really good with teenagers. Right. And that's a good thing because toddlers and teenagers are going through very similar dynamics. They're right. moving away from being dependent to independent. It's just teenagers do it on a more intense scale. But the pr- Except, parenting except approach, in the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> the parenting approach for the two, though, has to be opposite. To reason with a toddler is a waste of time. They need to be controlled. To control a, to- a teenager is going to backfire. They that's need to be amazing. reasoned with. That's amazing, yes. That's great. And and so they have the same psychodynamics, but the parenting approaches differ very much. And so when you can agree that, hey, we're a team and we have different strengths, you know, you are better at this than me. I am better at that than you. Then that's why I think in his wisdom, God ideally said, we need two taller people to successfully raise one shorter person. And I think single parents have the hardest job in the world. So, when, when parents can unite their hearts together and to say, listen, we both have strengths and weaknesses. How can we work together as a team in this parenting enterprise? That helps and blesses the marriage when it's cooperative instead of competitive.
1: Well, I think that's really powerful because when you're talking about it away from your kids, because the worst thing you could do is try to reason it through in front of your yep. kids. Yep. That's the worst thing we could do. And that's where, as painful as it is, we may have to defer to mm-hmm. one or the other parent, even if we disagree with it because it's more it 's more powerful to present a united front even it if it's, even if it 's one you don 't necessarily agree on and then be able to reason through it later than to try to reason through it in front of them, and then you never even attend to what you were trying to do with your child because you 're so immersed in what you 're arguing about with your spouse <laughs>
0: exactly. you know and so
1: it, it, I, I think that this idea of respecting one another is is also part of you know we have this tendency to say. I want you to act respectable before I give you respect when what we find is that the majority of people, if I respect them initially, if I always, you know, positive intention, I give them the benefit of the doubt, I usually get a really good version of them. Now, there's always going to be that percentage of people that are fools or narcissists or whatever we're talking about. The majority of, of us as people, when you give us the benefit of the doubt, you trust us, you believe in us you work with us, you believe the best of that person, and you respect them, you're going to get a different version of that person.
2: Absolutely. And children understand how to cause power struggle differences between parents. They figure out very early on, hey, I can divide and conquer. And that's been going on since Genesis chapter 2 and 3.
1: Right.
2: And so it's nothing new. But one thing we must do, I think, as healthy parents is begin with the end in mind.
1: Oh, I so, like so explain that. That's great.
2: Well, what's the whole goal of parenting? The whole goal of parenting is to work yourself out of a job in the right way and at the right time. Exactly. And children need two things. They need roots and they need wings. And so we have to look at after we attach and bond, how then parenting becomes a successive, progressive series of lettings go from weaning to letting go of the hand, to taking off the training wheels, to giving the driver's license. When you think about parenting, it's a progressive series of letting go. And the challenge is, have we equipped those children at each stage of development to succeed at what their level of need is? And so that's the whole goal, is to work ourselves out of a job and to produce mature, healthy adults. That's the end game of parenting is to produce mature, healthy adults in God's image and likeness to serve Him according to the gifts and talents with which He's blessed them. So when we do that, we've succeeded as parents, and that benefits and blesses the marriage. I I have to share a personal account on this real quickly, um, Cynthia. Next week, my wife and I are driving to a state far, far away (laughs) to a Christian college where we're going to drop off our fourth son.
1: Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah,
2: and how Linda, does time go like Linda that? Linda is is dreading it because yes. she is so bonded with <laughs> our boys, and we're out of kids. And wow! So her nest will be empty, and so I'm I'm smarter than I look, and so <laughs> I decided I decided a long time ago. The Lord, the Lord whispered into my heart, Jared, take her on a vacation after that.
0: That's and a great so idea. So we're
2: going to take some time to visit an area that she's never been and I'm very hopeful that this will be a rebonding time for us in our marriage as we've pretty much, because our, our fourth is so independent already. Right, um, right. He's kind of worked himself into adulthood for several <laughs> years in many ways. We had and three we're very old, proud he, of our boy. Yeah, he watched three
1: that. older brothers do it.
2: Yes, and he got spanked less because he sort of observed. <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty pretty smart in that way. But, you know we're looking now at the other end of that whole process and it's the goal is to work ourselves out of a job and that's that's what the lord wants us to do as healthy parents see
1: and i think that it's really important for adults to recognize that really bonding with your spouse and staying in that way having a really good strong marriage and and a good strong marriage doesn't mean it's not compromised or tested or strained right or, but but when kids really know that my parents are committed to each other As much as they are committed to me, if not more, that they really have the idea that you know, you grow up and go away, and I stay with this person. This is the one I chose. You Mm -hmm. are the one that was born, Mm -hmm. and recognizing that it doesn't make more or less value. It's a different type of valuing, and and that you know, you really value your spouse. And when you really value your spouse, it automatically increases the self worth and concept of a child because the child came from
2: you. So when they see you love yes. And we live in a culture that doesn't emphasize that. If I can dwell on that for a moment, please, that is so powerful because the most secure thing you can give to your child, the best gift you can give to your child is not the secure, absolute knowledge that they know you unconditionally love them. The best gift you can ever give your child is the secure, absolute knowledge that they know that you unconditionally love their other parent.
1: See, that's, and this is, you know, we have one minute left. I can't believe time has gone. And I think that is the most beautiful thing to end on because, you know, you fell in love with each other to begin with. Right. That's the, that's the one that you chose to love. Children, we don't, we choose to have them, but we don't choose the ones we get. Right. But we choose our spouse. And so when we really focus on saying, wow, how powerful and wonderful it is that God is saying, if you love your spouse, your children automatically get a huge deposit in the emotional bank account. So, Dr. Pingleton, tell us again how to get your book and any parting words you have. We have about 30 seconds.
2: Uh, Well, thank you. It's a delight to be with you and your listeners again today, Cynthia. Um, Making Magnificent Marriage at Amazon is probably the simplest. And this whole parenting thing is so important because it's God's design to further his kingdom. And we need to understand parenting as well, I think, as discipleship. And we are not responsible for our, our children's spiritual process. Many of them take prodigal trips. That's heartbreaking to parents. But we need to understand that our Father loves them more than we do.
1: Exactly. And in that,
2: we as parents can rest.
1: Well, thank you for, for joining me today. And listeners, always go to CynthiaHyatt.com for the rest of the show if you've not missed, if you've not heard it all. And join me next week. Thank you again, Dr. Pingleton.
2: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: At FaithTalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at four PM for conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.